Server Central. Server Central. Welcome to Server Central, a podcast about anything tech, produced by the students of the tech classes at Farmington High School. And now, it's Server Central. Server Central. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Server Central, the podcast about anything tech-related, produced by the students of the networking IT class of Farmington High School. I am your talking head, Dakota Thompson, joined by North, Hello. Austin, and Trace. Hello. And Howdy. Today, we're talking about something that runs deep within our, I guess, nerdish areas of expertise. Fantasy versus reality technology. And of course, we got the four biggest nerds of the networking class. <laughs> oh, very much so. <laughs> I wouldn't be called nerds. I would more say uh, geeks. Yeah, we'll get into the linguistical side of it later on. But I, I, you're right. We have brains and personality. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first, I want to start off with talking about, like, sci-fi designs. Like, um, Starships, for example. Starships are actually a good example for this one. Because... Uh, what series is Starships? Well, right now, it's just, like, overall. Oh, alright. But, like, Starships are a really good example of design choices that can seemingly make no sense or some sense. There is no in-between. <laughs> like uh, like Star Trek ships, how they actually work? Could work. Could work. But some of them are not built for atmospheric capabilities, such as like the first couple starships, exploration ships. They didn't have atmospheric capability in mind. Correct. But then we start talking about Star Wars ships. Oh, no. Oh, fun. Oh, boy. Star Destroyers make no sense. Star Destroyers make perfect sense. No. No, what about, like, a, the Rebel Frigates? Okay. That are held together by, like, a literal stick? They're held together by bailing wire and duct tape. Yeah. Is that even a thing in Star Wars? Is that even a thing in Star Wars, bailing wire and duct tape? Yes. Yes. Is, is it? I'm behind. So, Star Wars is sort of like past times, but with future technology. Yes. So they definitely have duct tape, or at least some weird form of it. It's no longer called duct tape. It's called oogaloogal, like, fastener or something. They just take some of uh, Chewbacca's shedded hair and just turn that into their rope. <laughs> no! I don't, I don't want to think about that. Uh, uh, but if we want to really talk about ridiculous ships... We only have ships. to turn, yeah, we only have to turn to Warhammer 40k orcs. Oh, yeah, the orcs. Yeah. Absolutely. Literally just flying hunks of junk that they believe works. Mm. It's literally just cardboard and one piece of gum, and somehow it's <laughs> the entire operating system of the ship. Yep. Yeah. How, do, how do you make a super advanced computer core? Well, so you just have a piece of gum, some cardboard, and some metal. It'll work. For those who don't know, anything an orc will, anything an orc believes will become true. That force is multiplied when there is more orcs in one area, <laughs> and that's why you see most of their stuff painted red or whatnot to make it go faster. Yeah, and why no one else can, <laughs> and why no one else can use their tech. Literally, no one else can. The only person who could have used uh, orcish tech was Commissar Yarik, and even then, that was just because. He was in such a fit of rage that he ripped off a war boss's arm after getting his own arm ripped off and proceeded to wear it around, believing it was his own arm. That's... <laughs> what? That's kind of screwed up. Yeah. I mean... Commissar Yarek basically <laughs> believed so hard enough, 
he inherited the abilities of the orc, basically turning himself into a orcish psyker. So it, is it an ability or technology? It's more of a technology. genetics thing. <laughs> but how does how does it work in terms of genetics? It doesn't. Well, if you take an orc's arm and perfectly meld it to your own body, you are technically therefore orc. No, a war boss arm, but like a robot arm. Oh, like the robot arm of the war boss? Yeah. Yes. The arm that ripped off Commissar Yarg's own arm, he ripped back off and proceeded to wear it around. That is the single that. <sighs> so is it like an imprint on the object itself? No, Commissar Yarg's left arm is straight up just a war boss's <laughs> arm. But the, how the orcs believe system work? Is it sort of like an imprint on the object now? They believe Commissar Yarik is immortal, so they cannot kill him. <laughs> that doesn't answer. How did he get the abilities? He's a psyker. He believed hard enough. He got so angry that his psychic ability like, yeah, you're now an orc. That's like the logic behind One Punch Man. He yeah. just, you know, trained so hard, he broke it. 40K? He trained so hard, he no longer has a limiter. Exactly. That's that is 40K. Th- that is the dumbest excuse I've ever heard for something like that. But it makes sense for some reason? Why does it make sense? I don't. Nah, he, it's okay. the orcs. <laughs> nah, here's, here's something that doesn't really make sense to me, though. Faster than light. How, how does that work? Okay, there are multiple different ways to do this. I personally prefer the Star Trek method because it's actually based on um, not only not only like Einstein's theory of relativity... But it's actually based on actual theoretical papers published. Well, technically. The modern mm. Star Trek is. But that paper was... Um, how do I put this? Outdated? No. Um, the paper was inspired by Star Trek, and then Star Trek adopted it for their warp, warp kind of excuse. Wait, what? So Fantasy-inspired reality and reality-inspired <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, it's literally wow. just, we found this old science paper. We're going to use it as our basis excuse for why they're no. able to travel through space. It wasn't old. <laughs> it wasn't old. So, so it, it literally came out, like, after, like, sometime in the middle of, like, the like after the actual primary season. Like, you know, the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And then Star Trek The Next Generation used that paper as their excuse. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, so, they, they use that as uh, an explanation, as did some of the movies. So uh-huh. we made up this whole system that doesn't actually have any basis for this first season. Now with this next season, we're just going to t- take this paper and say this was our basis the entire time. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened, because the paper was based off Star Trek Warp. <laughs> and they just decided, yeah, this could work. Yeah, this I, this right. is totally how we've always set up our warp system. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But I also I also prefer the designs of the ships than I do to like Star Wars ships or certainly orc ships. I don't like orc ship designs. Again, <laughs> it's just scrap metal. Yeah, but it's hilarious watching them fly through space with their windows <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, but it works. It's like a Hon- it's like <laughs> yeah. a Honda Civic with a VTEC upgrade. You're just running on thoughts and prayers at like a 150 pound shot. It's like Fluffy's very first Volkswagen bus. It ran on <laughs> diesel and prayer. <laughs> Absolutely. Nah, it's Austin's truck. Also, did you did you just like draw the assumption that Civic drivers, if they believe their car is fast, it goes fast? Yes. yes. Yeah, I can see that. And and they they need the VTEC. No, they really don't. 
Yeah. What they need is a muffler. For the love of God, put a muffler on. <laughs> Nobody likes your stupid little four banger. I mean, that, it make, <laughs> that makes sense, but a muffler is kind of necessary for a car's actual drivetrain. It, a lot more than people think. No, you just have to have a muffler. If you take it off, it is breaking several laws, but nobody cares about it. Especially in California. Because you have no proof about it unless your car is actually inspected. Fair enough. Uh, we have strayed. We've strayed a little off topic here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, let's, let's reel it back. Uh, faster than light. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's reel that back. Faster than light. I've just explained the whole thing behind the Star Trek system. You know, it pushes, it uses space as like a tidal wave and pushes the ship through... Like, it moves space around the ship instead of moving the ship around space. Mm. Now let's get into our favorite one, Star Wars. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hyperlane travel. Hyperlane? Hyperspace, hyperlane. I've heard it called multiple things. It's it makes more sense. used in, throughout the movies and whatnot is hyperspace, but the official term is hyperlane because if you don't use hyperspace travel in designated lanes, there's a chance you'll either crash into someone else or into another body in space. Which is why they have droids to calculate that out. The droids are literally like little navigation computers that are also companions. So your average New Yorker? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, your average cab driver. Yes. Or Uber, depending on, you know, which one you use. Which is why that, I can't remember the, the name the of the technique, worked so gone. well in the actual movie that it was used in. Where the ship went to hyperspace and destroyed almost an entire fleet. Oh, yeah. Did um, it kill a fleet? I thought it just wiped out a dreadnought. So it went it probably through a did. ship and the debris and whatnot I'm gonna, sort of uh, I'm going to have to cut fleet. that off real quick because we have to go on break and we'll be right After? back. Mm. Now, once we come back, we'll we'll elaborate more on all this stuff. Sure thing. Thanks for listening to Server Central on Scorp Radio. Be sure to tune into the award-winning Good Morning Farmington High every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. on Scorp Radio. Discussions and interviews that impact the Scorp Nation along with very cool indie music. Produced by the mass media students of Farmington High, Good Morning Farmington High keeps you hooked up with everything that is Farmington High. Every weekday from 7 to 8 a.m., it's Good Morning Farmington High. Only on Scorp Radio. You are listening to Server Central on Scorp Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Server Central. I'm your talking head. Uh, <laughs> when we last left off, we were... Kind of going off on a random tangent. I would actually kind of like to reel us back from Fast and Light because, you know, we've talked about that and I'm not going to go into the whole hyperlane, hyperspace <laughs> thing again. It's awful. Uh, I, I want to talk about weapons because this Ooh. has been bugging me for a while. Uh, so the lightsaber is considered a more elegant weapon for a more elegant age, right? Technically. Okay. So A lot of the moves consist of... Like chopping body parts off. Yeah, I'd rather have a phaser. On. You're telling me a lightsaber is a formal weapon when it can literally decapitate and tear someone to pieces twenty times easier than a like say a claymore. Yeah, you're you're literally holding like a giant plasma more, torch. It does more damage than forty five. That is a standard lightsaber. There are other forms of lightsabers, like a lava saver. This does not it's help still, you. It's still Ripping to someone to pieces with immense pain and no. intense burning. Actually, a lava saver burns them, as well as burning yourself. <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. This yeah. is considered formal? Oh, no, that's a light, lava civilized. saver is not formal. What's considered formal is an execution that, that's, with no mess. Exactly, but I mean, there's stuff like phasers, blasters. Blasters are better than a lightsaber. 
Yes, At least then it's a concentrated bolt and it's not like excruciating and extended. But I prefer a phaser because you can set it to stun. Yeah. You can also set the blasters to stun. Exactly. But you can't set a lightsaber to stun. What are you just going to do? Poke him with your plasma bludgeoning stick? Well, it's not even a saber. You can do that in Warhammer. I know you can do that in Warhammer. <laughs> but again, the lightsaber isn't even a saber. No part of it is a saber-like structure. A saber is a sword with a singular cutting edge, often in a curved blade style. Yes. It's not even light. It's plasma contained within a magnetic field. The entire name is wrong. Well, there's mm-hmm. multiple different forms of lightsabers. There's Count Dooku's, who was made specifically for one-handed dueling. It's not yes. light, nor is it That's a saber. That's why his hilt is curved. Okay, the hilt, but that doesn't have anything to do with the blade design. A saber is literally... Okay, a saber is a blade with a singular cutting edge, often in a curved styling. Yes. That's mm-hmm. a saber. The lightsaber is a, like, what, two-foot-long plasma stick? Uh, it depends, but typically, yes. Yeah, it's it's not even light. It's plasma. And even then, it's literally just a plasma billy club. Not to mention if it was light going off of reality yeah you wouldn't be able to stop it no we have we have a difficult time telling would stop it no we have a difficult time telling photons when to stop or change direction yes you cannot control photons you can (laughs) redirect it but you can't just manipulate it into a solid object and not to mention how do you create a plasma out of a crystal it's weird it's based off of the connection that the jedi has with the crystal through the force okay so it's basically psychic powers magic crap yeah, it's using the psychic powers and basically channeling it through, like, electricity and whatnot to cr- actually create the blade. So does that make a Jedi, a, a, like, a licensed electrician? Basically. Can they do the wiring in my home? I mean... I, I need some help with the kitchen t- light. Technically, I don't think it would be a good idea to... <laughs> <laughs> Just have a kyber crystal light at the center of, like, the mantle. Yeah, check out my new light. <laughs> it just, like, cuts the table in half. But, could, you use a, could you use a lightsaber as, like, a flashlight? Like, you're yeah, walking through, yeah. like, a dark area. Yeah. <laughs> that is 100% lore accurate. Is that I use lightsabers as an actual light source when they're going through dark caves. <laughs> that is like, awesome. they literally turn it on, hold it up above them, and just hold it out in front of them to light their way. That is awesome. And then, and I love that. And then they that. accidentally vaporize a bat because they're just wielding really, <laughs> a lightsaber. Me, me. <laughs> What was that? I think that was a bat, sir. I think that was a bat, sir. A what? And then two wings just fall next to you. Like, oh. uh, nah. Commander Cody, let's not ever talk about this again. <laughs> oh, what have I done? Oh, I love that. I can, would, a, would a Jedi just like, you know, like cower after like killing a bat? How did you Depends become a Jedi? Jedi? I don't know. I'm a pacifist. Oh, but, okay. I do kind of like the proto sabers oh those are awesome I kind oh, of yes. but there there's one thing that bugs me hmm. you could just cut the cord yes yes yeah. you could or like force grab the battery pack <laughs> oh did you know that the prototype stormtroopers were supposed to have lightsabers yeah really yes like they had the backpack and everything what what i find weird though is that there is a jedi in uh in luke skywalker's kind of new Jedi Republic who brought back the proto saber. He's a Jedi hipster. Oh yeah. That's Jedi right. hipster. <laughs> I completely forgot about oh, that. No. Yeah. The Jedi hipster. I love that. Um, but when it, when it all comes, when it all boils down to weapons, there's one that is unmatched. Well, actually two, if you're 
you know, talking like multiple continuities. But a in gun? terms of space fair, no. <laughs> in terms of like space fairing civilizations, there is one weapon that is unmatched. And that, that would be? The Warhammer 40k Bolter. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Well, technically, there's also the Necrons weapons. No, no. This one, the Bolter. And yeah. And <laughs> this, the Bolter is the most well known. Yes. And the most commonly used with the, you know, humans, quote unquote. North, the, you want to uh, take this one? Absolutely. I actually have the Lexicanium pulled up right now. <laughs> of course you do. I love, I love Warhammer. It's one of my favorite topics. It honestly. What? I wonder why we brought you onto this episode. <laughs> oh, gee, it's not like I'm part of the key component, man. I don't know. But anyways, continue uh, on. Yeah. So, the Ostra Militarum and the Adeptus Astartes, aka Space Marines and Marines of, well, the Imperium, they wield these mailbox-sized weaponry that basically match and rival forty millimeter and nine fifty JDJ. If you don't know what 950 JDJ is, imagine a 30 millimeter round that can travel at hypersonic speeds. <laughs> it is what you just might. What you just made me for? Oh my! Sorry, oh, that was an accident. Oh, no, Ronnie, our timekeeper just showed us a hilarious video, and okay. I'm trying not to catch the laughing on track. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Okay. Continue, Continue. on. Yeah. Anyways, um, bolters. If you want to talk about overkill, let me let me let me elaborate here. So, like I said, they are mailbox sized, which means they are basically the size of, say, a lunchbox just on your shoulder that you can wield like a rifle. These these rounds are fully automatic, explosive, and rocket propelled, which means they have no drop, perfect accuracy, great reload, and they're super expensive. And guarantees that nothing's going to exist where you just shot. Yeah. They, they want will, to know what's scarier. They will obliterate Necrons. They will <clears throat> rip apart Tyranids. And they will juice humans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course, the Necrons just come back. Yeah. Well, yeah. But do you want to know the weapons that are actually scarier than Warhammer 40k weapons? What? United States Army weapons. <laughs> especially especially during the Cold War and World War II. Well, we can't must really I remi- like, go into detail about that, but yeah. Now, must I remind you about the Davy Crockett? Oh, yes. Yeah. The nuclear warhead the size of, like... Tactical. Yeah. The, the, the tactical nuke the size of, like, three footballs launched out of a mortar off the back of a jeep. Not even a mortar. It was just a recoilless rifle. Exactly. Basically a tandem charge that fires one way that way, the other this way. Yeah, it... Okay. So anything in front or behind <laughs> that gun gets obliterated. Yeah, but... <laughs> It launched the Davy Crockett a good, what, 1.75 miles away? Mind you, this was like a, what, almost half, like 500-pound warhead? Yeah, and it had a blast radius of two miles. Yep. Yeah. So it's either you do a drive-by and try to Indiana Jones your way out of that, or or you just, you know, take it like a man and evaporate with the rest of the enemy. Yes. I am so glad they got rid of this because, and I quote, they didn't want some sergeant starting nuclear war because it, <laughs> the use the use of the Davy Crockett was at the was at like the will of the current command sergeant or platoon sergeant or yeah. squad leader it or was, any private who was alone with the thing. Yeah, it was basically a 
It was basically the equivalent of like an RPG, except it fired a nuke. <laughs> and let's also remember Atomic Annie. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> oh, oh, no. 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 Not the Atomic yeah. Annie. I you guys love know the Atomic Annie. But that the, is one of my favorite weapons of all time. A little, a little fun fact about the Atomic Annie. The Atomic Annie, the Atomic Annie was actually the original Atomic Annie was actually lost for two years. Yes, it was because it got swapped with its twin. Mm-hmm. Yes. What was its twin name? Uh, it was like Big Frank. Bertha? No, it was like Frank or something. Frank. <laughs> I, I can't remember what it was, but it started with an F, so we're just going to call it Frank. Uh, Francine? Hang on. I th- maybe. But it, it well, got swapped. Well, they technically name stuff after females and whatnot, so yeah. it makes sense it would probably be something like Francine. Tom McGanny. Uh We will reel back to this again. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go on break, and when we come back, we're actually going to continue talking about real-life weaponry and how it relates to the sci-fi. That was weird. Server Central on Scorp Radio. Be sure to catch the streaming event broadcast of FHS Live. The schedule can be found at FHSLive.com. Football, basketball, and events that happen on the Scorpion campus produced and performed by the students of Farmington High. Live streamed on FHSLive.com. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at FHS Live on Facebook and FHS.Live on Instagram. www.FHSLive.com. You are listening to Server Central on Scorp Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Server Central. Last we left our hero, we were talking about United States Army weaponry. And well, now, just about anything, really. Yeah, we were talking about real-life weaponry, and we're going to compare it to, like, sci-fi weaponry. Correct. So, yes. uh, Atomic Annie. Also known as the M65 Atomic Canny, often called Atomic Annie. Which was, was uh, swabbed. Let me let me elaborate. This is one of my favorite cannons of all time because <laughs> to even move the thing, it took two specially built trucks and a custom made carriage. Yep, that could only point up and down. <laughs> now, remind you, me, Dakota, and a bunch of other fellas actually went and saw this thing in real life. Dakota is five eleven. He is as big as one of the tires. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I actually have to agree with that. Yes. This this cannon is 85 feet long and is a caliber of 280 millimeters. Jesus. The largest howitzer the Americans have ever used. I love the fact that it's classified as like a nuclear howitzer. howitzer. Yeah, it's a howitzer. There's been bigger cannons, but in terms of howitzer, which uses traditional shells and more uh, advanced tech, this is the largest the Americans have ever used. You know, my favorite thing is that our most destructive thing that we've made so far is nuclear warheads. Uh, thermonuclear. Thermonuclear. Yeah, when we move to sci-fi, the most deadly weapon just annihilates an entire galaxy. Or, you know, it's like an antimatter explosion <laughs> on the inside of your ship as it's quote-unquote scuttling charge. Just so, you don't, just so you know, the way you get rid of a Star Trek ship, if it's ever lost... You overflow the antimatter reaction chambers, otherwise known as your warp core, and proceed to detonate the ship. <laughs> Speaking of ships, one of the scariest weapons used in World War II is not what you think. It was called a naval PT boat. Oh. <laughs> naval PT. Yes. Like the American ones? Yes. Well, absolutely. Those things were a freaking nightmare in the seas. They were made of wood. Had two Mark 8 torpedoes and from factory had two 50 caliber anti aircraft machine guns. 
That's nothing compared to like later variants of the P-51 and Spitfire. No, that is nothing compared to what the crew did to the PT boats. Note that I said from factory. What the, did the crew do? So, for context, this specific boat was the one that John F. Kennedy was part of the crew of. Kennedy. Yes. They stole they stole an army anti-tank cannon. Uh-huh. What, like a and, 57 Ziz? Yes. And guns out of a Hellcat. And it was so effective that they started putting the Hellcat guns on the boats from factory. These are also the people that would drain some of the fuel from the torpedoes, distill it through, like, socks and underwear, and drink it. Uh, How were they alive? I don't know. They called it torpedo juice. Torpedo juice. And these little boats are solely made of wood. These little wooden boats sunk the most tonnage. No, I've, I've just looked up a picture. That is entirely correct. I am looking at one right now. Yep. They had... Or Lecoin cannons, or whatever, however you pronounce that. Uh, 37 M4s, and a couple of them had mounted double barrel 50 cals. None of those are factory. They are all made of wood. Yeah. None, <laughs> none of the weapons he just listed off came from factory. Minus the 50 cals. So, the only thing more destructive to reality than thermonuclear is rednecks. <laughs> no, these were like, these were navalmen and marines. Pardon? But we also have stuff like, how do I put this? We had we had a uh, the United States had a ship class called the New York class vessels, <laughs> also known as super dreadnoughts. Super dreadnought. Yes. Wow, very creative on the name. No, no, no. These were bigger than standard dreadnoughts. Carried five Mark ones, firing an eighteen inch shell. Like seriously, eighteen inch shell. New York class. Wow. The New York class is also known as the USS Texas. You know. Oh, yes, the most famous. Yeah, the ship that flooded the right ballast tanks to continue engaging the enemy. Yeah, that on, one. On D-Day. Which one? Yeah. What, what was... It wasn't D-Day, but it was it a was. similar so event. It was. It was D-Day. It was D-Day. The USS Texas was stationed about 12,000 uh, 12, yards out. It, uh, Battleship it, Texas. Yeah. She sailed all the way back to France to reload, sailed back. By that time, the troops have already pushed further inland. So it got to 3,000 yards, which was the closest it could get without beaching itself. Mm-hmm. Still couldn't engage, decided to flood the right ballast tanks of the ship, gangster leaning it, point the cannons up to change the angle and continue hitting the enemy. Yep. <laughs> well, was it the Nevada God that the sister ship had to tell a temper temper? <laughs> yes, the Nevada was the one that literally. No, that was that was in the Gulf War. Yeah, that what that was happened, Gulf War. What happened was a bunch of Japanese units or some coastal unit had attacked the battleship. <laughs> Instead of returning with its smaller cannons, it pointed they were just all about, guns port side. Yeah, it aimed every single turret. And obliterated the coast. And then there's and then there's the USS New Jersey, which literally sank an island. <laughs> Wait, what was the How submarine or whatnot that, that sunk a train? Oh, the USS Barb. Yeah, no. So what <laughs> happened was they, um, they were technically the only people to invade like Japan at that point. Yes. And only Do for this. <laughs> and only for this. What they did was they sent a, a small team of their crew onto the mainland to cut off the supply trains because they got tired of sinking the ships right out of the port. <laughs> and so 
what they did was they had the elect thank you they had the electrician set up a scuttling charge to blow up the tracks and it sent the train a good 10 miles into the air before splashing down and with that I'm going to leave this because we are all out of time for this episode of Selfish Content. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about humans versus technology. You know, so be prepared for stuff about the Terminator and Chat GDP. Uh, yes. <laughs> we appreciate you listening to the ramblings of the FHS tech students. Next week, you know, we'll be discussing humans versus technology. Incredible. But until then, I've been Dakota with with North Hello. Austin Trace and of course our lovely timekeeper. And you've been listening to Server Central on Scorp Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Logging off. See you later. If you don't listen, then we'll just be talking to ourselves. Server Central on Scorp Radio. You've been listening to Server Central. Server Central. The weekly podcast created and produced by the tech students at Farmington High School. Server Central on Scorp Radio.